I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. There's a great documentary coming out tomorrow. It's going to be on the Golf Channel, and it's called Becoming Annika, about Annika Sorenstam. And uh, we are here now uh, for the uh, director of that project, the Emmy Award winner, Adrian Gallagher. Adrian, congratulations on a, a, a film like this. I know you did it in conjunction with um, NBC Sports and United States Golf Association. What, what is it about uh, Annika that, that you thought it's time for the doc? I think, hi Rick, I think it's about time for the doc. Um, it, it's interesting to note that Golf Channel's been around uh, for a long time and this is the first full-length documentary they've really done examining a female uh, specifically. So, in you know, women's golf has been around for a really long time, and there are so many amazing stories in, in this sport. So I think that is one part of the answer to that question. But, of course, Annika Sorenstam is among the most dominant female golfers of all time, if not the most. And it's so timely because she is returning to the sport and she'll be playing the U.S. Women's Open this summer. So we got a little bit lucky when we decided to do the film that she was still interested in playing. And films are a little bit more interesting, in my opinion, when something interesting is happening and it's not all past tense. So we had a great combination of both with Annika. That's great. And the other thing about her, too, as dominant as she is, I kind of take it to that Scandinavian mentality, not braggadocious, not a you know crybaby, very composed at all times. But maybe was that just something that, you know, kind of in a way like how Chris Everett used to play tennis, you know, just almost emotionless. Is that something that uh, lend itself to her success, you think? Well, 
Yes, but I think the film will reveal that it also lent itself to a lot of loneliness and isolation. Um, when you, you know, bringing it back to the 1990s when she first came on the scene, it was pretty unusual for foreign players to play in the, in the United States. And this is also sort of the build-up time when the Solheim Cup was becoming a thing. And um, she didn't have a lot of friends on tour, you know. And one thing that I really learned in the film was how knives out it was in the 90s on the LPGA tour because there wasn't a lot of money to go around. If you had a bad couple of weeks on the tour at that time, your career was in jeopardy, everything that you've been working for your whole life. So it wasn't like there were a lot of friends to be made on tour. And I think Annika's um, sort of, she's not a cold person, you know, when you get to know her, but her cold demeanor sort of exacerbated the, um, the bubble around her. Uh, And I think in a little, in one way it was self-defense. And in another way, it was allowed her to really focus on what she wanted to do, which was dominate the LPGA Tour. You know, and I, the first thing I think of is Annika, Annika Stormstam, of course, is that when she played in the, um, what was it, the Colonial about, yep. um, geez, 20 years ago now. Yeah. yeah and, it, you know, I know that uh, Babe Zaharias did it, you know, 50 years before. That was a different type of thing. But... You know, VJ Singh saying, if she's paired with me, I quit. I mean, what what was that like? I can only imagine. Talk about knives out. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, her intention in the beginning was to test herself. She was playing unbelievable. I mean, uh, like two years before was 2001 when she shot 59, and she was an unstoppable force on the LPGA Tour even before 2003 um, leading into it. And I think she just was looking for something that was going to force her um, to just to, to measure herself, to force her to focus and try hard for something that was difficult. Um, and that's an admirable thing to want. And I don't think she had any idea what was coming for her in terms of uh, – the criticism, the, you know, the negative attention that she got. She was not the kind of person who liked attention or drew attention to herself at all in the first place. But interestingly, um, one reason she decided to do it was a letter she received from Arnold Palmer, who at first was very skeptical of her choice to play Colonial, but then sent her a letter that said, you know, ignore all the haters, focus on what you need to do, and if there's anything I can do to support you, uh, you, you know how to get a hold of me. And that felt like, you know, if Arnold Palmer says it's okay to do this, then I should be able to do this. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. That is really cool. And so when she was in Tucson at U of A and she won, she won the NCAA championship uh, as a freshman, what was that like for, you know, she's from Sweden, she's in Tucson, but she's turning pro, but she's also still in college. So, I mean, that just seems like uh, a lot for a, a person to take upon their shoulders. Certainly. And as somebody who was so painfully shy at the time, I don't think that that can be overstated, that Annika was, she wouldn't raise her hand in class. She would intentionally put balls in bunkers and two and three putts in tournaments as a junior so that she didn't have to give a winner speech, which is just crazy to me to think of Annika Sorensen doing that. But that's who she was, and that's very much who she was as a teenager coming to this country from Sweden, a place where, you know, in the wintertime you get two or three hours of daylight in the winter. You know, it's, all, it's dark all the time, and she was practicing in her basement alone with her sister 
for most of the time <laughs> to come to the United States and play in Arizona where it's so hot and sunny all the time. She's out there in January practicing, and her game just evolved immensely. Um, and I think that's where she kind of, you know, caught some momentum and was able to win the NCAA. And the other thing about coming to the United States, you know, in Sweden she didn't have a whole lot of examples right in front of her with her own two eyes that she could see living her dream. But when you're in Tucson, the LPGA, you know, in the 1990s would come through once a year and you'd be able to see Nancy Lopez um, or Meg Mallon or, you know, Patty Sheehan playing, Beth Daniel, playing golf, doing what she wanted to do. And she says that inspired her. That made her feel like, oh, this is something that's attainable. I mean, she thought she was going to become an engineer. She's come to the United States to study engineering. <laughs> you know, so I think it, she had it in her heart that maybe she could play golf professionally at some point. But until you have examples, representation, it's hard to see yourself in those shoes. Um, and that, I think, was the big value of coming to the United States, Veronica. Adrian Gallagher is with us, documentary Becoming Annika. When you sat down with her parents and her sister, husband, former caddy, even her her kids, I'm sure that must have been weird for her to like see them talk about her when she wasn't there. Was what was it like when Annika got to watch this? I think that is exactly what sort of blew her away. You know, she um she's an old pro here in the media stuff. She has her sort of things that she says about everything that's sort of been repeated over and over again. So I don't think anything she said that made the film really shocked her. But I think it really was surprising to her. Um, for example, we spoke to her sister, Charlotta, who uh, Charlotta is four years younger than Annika. They practiced together every day in Sweden. They had these two umbrellas that they, you know, stuck in the ground and they try to hit the umbrella from 20 yards out, you know. Um, and... Charlotta came and followed Annika onto the LPGA Tour. Annika won 72 times on the PGA, LPGA Tour famously. Charlotta only won once. And Annika was there. Uh, it was the 2000 Standard Ping Register. So that was the year before Annika shot 59 at the same event. Um, and Annika was there at the green to hug her sister. you know. And Charlotta, that's what she cried about when she remembered was um, was the time that she won and that her sister could be happy for her. That must have been really powerful, I think, for Annika to see that uh, in the film. I mean, I, I'm, I have a sister, so I can and a, and a little sister at that. I can imagine how that felt to her. Um, and interesting, the, the year after, Charlotte, because of that win, was paired with Annika when she shot 59, which was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Um Hilary Swank, of course, the Oscar-winning uh, actress, is the narrator. But you also committed to doing a film about a great female athlete, all-female crew, huh? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, when we started to think about Annika as a person to try to tell her story, one thing I was really struck with was how dedicated she is to creating opportunities in golf for women. And I felt like if Annika's going to work that hard to create opportunities for golf for women in golf, then I should work really hard to try to create opportunities for women in film. And it took, it cost more, it took more time, it was a lot more scheduling, but I think that's kind of the point, was that you, there aren't a dozen female DPs that I could have chosen from uh, to staff this film. There were a few, and we had to work really hard to get, give them those opportunities. Um, same down to 
grip and G&E, like the grip and lighting people and the audio recordists and the technical people and the animators, everybody, it's just a little bit harder to find women um, in a position to be able to do this stuff. And until it's not that hard, then it's important to work a little harder to find them. No doubt about it. And um, nowadays, designing golf courses, her academy in Florida, business ventures through the roof, right? Yeah, she's a hardworking lady. And don't forget, she's about to play in the U.S. Women's Open, too, at 51 years old. Wow. And, um, you know, just one more question. I know she was, she, golf to me seems like such a Christian sport, and she didn't really embrace that. In fact, I think someone asked her, she said she was an atheist, and how did that go over in the Bible Belt? Well, gosh, you'll have to ask. The, you, that, that's not a part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, you know, she's Swedish, and I think so much of understanding Annika is understanding her Swedish culture, and the Swedes see things a little differently than they do in the Bible Belt. Um, and you can't separate yourself from from your culture, from where you come from. Uh, but I also think that there's space in golf for many faiths and for many kinds of people, and the game is changing. The fastest-growing demographic in golf right now is women under the age of 18. Uh, which I think is an incredible thing. And as you see these girls grow and, and dominate the sport and change the sport, I think you're going you're gonna to see a different culture emerging, um, whether it be Christian or male or white. You know, I think the world's changing and the sport is changing with it. Well, one of the greatest golfers of all time, Hall of Famer, eight-time player of the year, Annika Sormstam, and you got to check out the documentary. Uh, Emmy Award-winning director Adrian Gallagher has been our guest. It's called Becoming Annika. It'll be tomorrow on the Golf Channel. It'll also air on NBC on uh, June 5th as well. Adrian, congratulations on it. Looking forward to seeing it, and um, we will talk to you on your next film. <laughs> nice speaking with you, Rick. You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named Best Hybrid Mattress 5 Years Running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show New York Times bestselling author Shane Ryan. He has a new book out from Hatchet Books called The Cup They Couldn't Lose, America, the Ryder Cup, and the Long Road to Whistling Straits. Shane, welcome to the show. You know, it's easy afterward to think, uh, oh yeah, we had this the whole time, but Really, when you were Steve Stricker uh, last year and you looked at the fact that Tiger was in an accident and uh, you had players who were sick, I mean, you were going to rely on basically two guys who were feuding with each other, so it didn't look good, did it? Yeah, you know, there have been a lot of cases in the past where the dysfunction on the American side seems to kind of rear its ugly head and, and lead to losses. You know, Europe has been winning this event for a long time. So definitely, yeah, it looked like more of the same. But, uh, you know, that was one one of the many ways in which Steve Stricker showed how good he was as a captain. He, he managed to diffuse that and diffuse it early to the point that, you know, it was all anybody was talking about on Monday of Ryder Cup week. And by Wednesday, there was nothing there. There was no fuel for the fire. And we were kind of on to something else, and you know, clearly from the result, it didn't it didn't do any harm. I remember when Nick Faldo was captain of Europe, and they lost, and he told the press, oh, "I thank you from the heart of my bottom." Uh, I was in England when that happened, and he was being, as they say, pilloried in the red toppers back there. But then I thought too, what what can a captain really do outside of picking the team? Um, what would you say about the is Steve Stricker with the pairing? and the strategy behind it, because I always thought of as, you know, mostly kind of a helpless position. Yeah, you know, it's that's kind of, it's an easy thing to think, because golf is an individual sport, and so when you have an event like the Ryder Cup, it's easy to think, well, it's just a bunch of individual golfers out there kind of doing their thing, like, what can the captain really control? Well, as it turns out, you know, there's quite a bit. Really, I, I think the best way to see a captain of the Ryder Cup is, like, as a CEO, where he's overseeing all these different elements. And in terms of what he can do to influence the outcome, you know, it starts with, you know, who are you going to pick for the team? What are you going to do to your course, right? How are you going to set up the course to, um, you know, to benefit your guys and to hurt the opposition based on their style of play? What kind of pairings are you going to do? Are you going to hire a statistical company, you know, to help you kind of crunch the numbers and figure out what's the best way to do all this stuff? Who are your vice captains going to be? How are you going to control the difficult personalities on your team? Uh, you know, are you going to take a guy like Patrick Reed who can deliver you points maybe, but is kind of a clubhouse cancer type? Um, and that's just kind of the tip <laughs> of the iceberg. Um, and you know, it's one of my, you know, one of my, usually one of my pet peeves when people say, well, the captain doesn't do much. You know, I think more people understand now, um, after watching Europe dominate us for so long with inferior players, you know, America almost always has the best team, but we lost this because Europe realized much earlier than the Americans did, that this is a team event, even though it doesn't look like it. And you have to have a system in place. And if you deviate from that system, like Nick Faldo did, by the way, you're going to get killed. And (laughs) the U.S. didn't have a system. And they ran up against that European system constantly. And, you know, what turned it around for the Americans was getting embarrassed one too many times. Um, And that happened in Glen Eagles in 2014, and after that, they, they got together and said, how do we fix this? And have done a tremendous job ever since. You know, it's funny. When I was younger, I, I didn't 
the Ryder Cup didn't really speak to me until I started spending a lot of time in England and, and being teased. And I thought, well, you know, you guys are a continent. You're taking on a country. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, people started, it was, you know, almost like it was in a, an affront to me. And you can see the importance. Like, I just look at, at Rory McIlroy, his first Ryder Cup, he kind of just laughed and said, who cares, it's an exhibition. And then fast forward to last year, he's crying because it means everything to him. Yeah, uh, you know, Europeans, it's always been highly personal to them um, because they're the underdogs and because it's their chance to kind of prove to the Americans that they can beat them, they can be just as good as them, even if they don't win as many majors or, or, you know, not as high on the world rankings list. For the Americans, for a long time, it wasn't a big deal. Like somebody like Davis Love III, who is now a really instrumental figure in building the U.S. Ryder Cup system, when he came up, it was during the era, you know, by the time he was 20, he only grew up seeing America dominate this thing. And he didn't start playing until the 80s when all of a sudden this became like this really intense competition. And America wasn't ready for that, uh, and they expected to kind of coast by on their talent. But what you're seeing now is a younger generation of golfers uh, in America who grew up watching the Americans get killed and hated it. Uh, and so, unlike Davis Love, who, you know, the Ryder Cup was not even on his radar as a professional, these guys it is, and they take a lot of pride on it. So that's another big change that just happens with time, because, you know, somebody like Tony Finau would sit in his apartment in Salt Lake City in Utah and, and watch Europe win over and over and, you know, be near tears himself because he wanted America to win. And these are the guys who are fighting it now, while at the same time, like you mentioned, you know, Europe is still just as passionate. And, you know, Rory crying uh, crying on Sunday was just such a, a good demonstration of that. A couple more questions for Shane Ryan about his new book, The Cup They Couldn't Lose. What was the near-death experience we had just before it started? So, yeah, this was Patrick Reed. Um, Patrick Reed had... <laughs> Patrick Reed had something that he will not say is COVID. He had pneumonia uh, for reasons that we can certainly, you know, speculate about, but can't definitively say. And apparently was never tested, according to him, for COVID. So we'll never know. You know, your listeners can decide what to make of that. But um, he was in a hospital and uh, supposedly near death. And, you know, they told him, text your family as often as possible because they couldn't come visit him because of COVID protocols and you know, make sure you tell your wife you love her, that kind of thing. So he, you know, came back shortly after that, and he was playing in the Tour Championship and still wanted to make the Ryder Cup team. But Steve Stricker kind of, I think he used it as a good excuse not to take Patrick Reed. And what people should understand about Patrick Reed is that at the previous Ryder Cup in Paris, he lost all his pairs matches and then went behind the captain's back to the New York Times after to kind of, you know, talk smack about him. And then in Australia at the President's Cup a year later, he got caught doing what he did in the sand of the Bahamas. A lot of people think he was cheating, including me. Uh, and then his caddy got in a fight and got kicked out of the President's Cup. And again, Patrick Reed didn't win. And so I think he was already uh, persona non grata uh, on the American team. And this was a convenient excuse, I think, for Stricker to say, you know, no thanks. By the way, just as an aside, as you as a golf guy, knowing that the PGA Tour is not going to grant waivers for this uh, the Greg Norman uh, golf uh, tour, and uh, I know some people like Sergio Garcia, when he couldn't find his ball after three minutes, is saying, I can't wait to get the hell out of here. Well, do you have any predictions on uh, that rival league, and will it be a USFL and, and not do anything, or do you think it is a real threat to the PGA Tour? 
The reason it's a real threat is because they don't seem concerned with making a profit. So if you look at it somewhere like the USFL, they collapsed because they couldn't make any money, right? And, you know, if this were just some normal league with some, I don't know, billionaire in the U.S. trying to take down the PGA Tour and they couldn't get good players and they couldn't get TV deals, well, they would collapse after a while. The difference with Saudi Arabia is they're using their public investment fund, which is a bottomless pit of money, and it seems like their primary motivation is to sort of burnish their image in the greater world through sports. And so for them, if they want to, they can hang around, lose money, you know, keep spending money and giving money until maybe they get some good players. Uh, and what's important to them is, is not the profit or the TV deals, but sort of just just being there and, uh, you know, trying to sports wash themselves, as they say. So, yeah, I think it's a threat. You know, if you, if you can throw millions of dollars at minor league golfers uh, or, or guys who are on the other side of their career, uh, at some point, you know, the really good golfers are going to say, why are these guys making so much money? Um, and that's why the PGA Tour has to do what they do, because they see the threat here and the slippery slope that this could fall down. And so they basically have to say right off the bat, no, nobody, if you go to this, you're done with us. They have to draw a hard line or else they're, you know, they could be in some kind of existential trouble. All right. Very well said. And finally, when you think about, as I mentioned, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka just trading little barbs at each other and, you know, they had to get it together. Look, you say, look, you're, you're both wearing the American flag on your hat here. Did you think they were going to be able to rise above their little pettiness and come together as teammates? I wasn't sure, really. I mean, it was, I, you know, when they met, they, they went so far as to telling Steve Stricker, hey, we'll play together if you want. Uh, and that was, you know, of course, behind the scenes and something we found out later. But, you know, it was such an intense thing. And Brooks Kepka in particular seemed so intent on taking the little insults that DeChambeau gave him and then, you know, turning his army of supporters against him in this really harsh and cruel way throughout the summer where DeChambeau was basically being harassed every time he stepped on the course. And so you look at somebody who's that vindictive and, and effective at being vindictive and you go, I don't know if this guy is going to pull any punches. I don't know if he knows how to call off the dogs. But, yeah, they definitely did. You know, I mean, it was... Like I said, they, they starved that story of any oxygen. So I, I was uncertain, didn't know, and I certainly don't know what's going to happen with those guys in the future. But in terms of the Ryder Cup, it was, uh, it was a non-issue. Everybody, golf fans, make sure to pick up the book from Hatchet Books, The Cup They Couldn't Lose, America, The Ryder Cup, and The Long Road to Whistling Straits by our guest, New York Times bestselling author Shane Ryan. Shane, congratulations on the book. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.